Hey, before we get into this episode today, I just wanted to let you know that we would greatly appreciate if you liked, subscribed, left a review, five stars, five testicles, whatever you want to call them on this podcast. That will help this podcast rank higher in search results so that in the future, anybody who's searching for resources when they've just been diagnosed or have just become a survivor or is a caregiver, they can find this podcast more easily and listen to your stories. Thank you so much. And let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Happy birthday to us. Happy. I'm just kidding. This is the first anniversary episode of It Takes Balls presented by Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. Thank you guys so much for listening to all the past episodes. And if you're just joining us, thank you for listening to this one and, and all the ones in the future. I encourage you to go back and listen to all the old episodes. Uh, today's a big day. It's November 1st. It's the beginning of No Shave November. If you're watching this podcast and you watch the later episodes this month, you will see that my facial hair varies. That's because a lot of these were recorded before uh, before November. They happened back in September before my wedding. So I'm now married. Um, but this episode is just going to be a solo episode. I'm going to tell my own story so that everybody can understand where I'm coming from when I ask these questions of all of our guests. Uh, I just want to reflect on past episodes, and I want to talk about some of the resources that Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation has. Since it's just me, if you're watching, there might be some visual jump cuts of places that I had to stop and start over. Uh, those are easily more hidden when I'm able to cut back and forth between myself and a guest. So I've I've printed my uh, your, my story here. If you're watching, you can see my papers. If you're listening, you might hear them. Um, since there's nobody asking me questions, I didn't want to leave anything out. It's kind of long. Maybe I'll paraphrase, but I'm going to start off just reading it. At some point in late 2016, I noticed my left testicle seemed to be slowly growing. It was also increasingly getting tender. Whenever I would touch it, it would slightly hurt. The girl I was dating at the time really wanted me to go to the doctor because she said her dad might have beaten esophageal cancer had he sought treatment earlier, but I still didn't go. I didn't want to hear the word cancer, even though I had the gut feeling that it was. My very basic Googling revealed that it was normal for one testicle to be slightly larger than the other, so I reassured myself that it was that simple. I tried to steer away from surging testicular cancer because I didn't want to even put it into the universe, but I'd always end up reading something about testicular cancer. After a while of being persistent that I see a doctor to no avail, any mention of it dissipated and I lived quietly with the feeling that something was wrong. I let it go on quietly for about another two years. It was then that I was driving home from work and felt some discomfort in my back when sitting in my driver's seat. I thought it might have been my shirt bunched up, so I tried fixing it, but I just couldn't get it. I remembered in my Googling that the first place testicular cancer usually spreads is into the retroperitoneum. Between that feeling and being in the middle of binge-watching Grey's Anatomy, I finally went to see my primary care physician on May 31st, 2019. My doctor did the typical testicular exam, but she didn't feel anything out of the ordinary other than what she described as a firm epididymis. She diagnosed as potential epididymitis and prescribed an antibiotic, which is common for a lot of guys, it sounds. She also referred me to the hospital for the ultrasound I had on June 4th, 2019. The way I know to deal with discomfort best is through humor, so I asked the ultrasound tech if it was a girl or a boy. She didn't think it was funny, as funny as I did, because she's probably heard that many times before, but it was original to me, so... The next day, I was in a meeting for my budding video production company's biggest job to date when my primary doctor called me and said, Stephen, I was just calling to let you know that they did find a mass in your left testicle, and I'm referring you to Urology of Virginia for a consultation. On June 10th, 2019, three days after my 25th birthday, 
I went to the urologist who immediately walked in the door and said, I saw your ultrasound nine times out of 10, a mass like that inside of your testicle is cancer and needs to be removed. I have an opening tomorrow at noon. If your insurance is accepted at the hospital, I'm at tomorrow. That was the first time I'd officially heard the C word. He did run a routine testicular exam anyway, while his team got my insurance authorization for the orchiectomy to be performed the following day. I woke up one last time with both of my nuts and headed into the hospital. The doctor told my mom that it would be a quick 30-minute surgery, which sounded simple enough to me. He forgot to mention that didn't include pre-op time, so when 30 minutes passed afternoon and my mom hadn't heard anything, she was extremely worried. They removed my left testicle and recovery was fairly simple. I took a week off of work and spent most of it in bed watching Netflix and playing Xbox. The pain was mostly bearable and I have a pretty high pain tolerance and didn't take any of the opioids I was prescribed, only Advil or Tylenol. The worst of the pain came a few days after surgery when my nerves near my incision began regaining feeling. Walking to the bathroom sometimes caused an intense burn with every step of my left leg. The pain subsided after a few days, and then it was back to life as usual. The next step was a post-surgical CT scan of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. The results of that CT scan were given at the consultation with my oncologist, who told me that the stage after my surgical pathology came back, I was 2B. The cancer had spread to a lymph node in my retroperitoneum. My testicles pathology was 90% seminoma, 5% embryonal carcinoma and 5% teratoma. I had a four centimeter enlarged lymph node in my retroperitoneum. My oncologist recommended chemotherapy for my case. He presented both BEP and EP, but warned of pulmonary risk with BEP. He used an analogy of Coke versus Pepsi, saying that doctors have their preference just like with soda. We mutually agreed on EP. The first time I felt myself getting emotional was when he told me that I was going to lose my hair. My hair is always something that I kind of took for granted. I, as you see in this, if you're watching it, I'm wearing a hat. Uh, that's something that I always did i still do even though um i have a new lease on the importance of hair uh, i do rock a hat less than i used to but i still do on the weekends just because it's easier he then recommended that i bank sperm as the effects of chemo on reproductive function vary from patient to patient i was scheduled to have my metaport put in and then scheduled for chemo i banked my sperm about a week later knowing that chemo was going to take my hair i wanted to take control of it i arranged with some of my lifelong heroes that if I raised $500 for Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation, that they would shave my head. Action sports legends Travis Pastrana and Phil Smodgy, among others, shaved my head on July 2nd, 2019. Travis also took me for the ride of a lifetime in a Polaris razor side-by-side -side over some jumps in his backyard. My orchiectomy incision was still healing, and he asked if it felt okay. I think maybe the adrenaline had taken over, but I felt nothing at all down there. And if you don't know, Travis Pastrana is definitely my lifelong hero. I would love to go back to his house and, and try to do the first single testicle uh, backflip on a dirt bike, as far as I know. Maybe people haven't publicized that they only have one testicle, but I would like to be the first publicized backflip. So, Travis, if for some reason you're watching this, uh, I want to come back. Uh, I had my Metaport put in on July 5th, 2019, and began chemo on July 15th. Each Monday of chemo week, I needed to have blood work done. But through the journey so far, I'd already become a, comfortable being a pincushion, so that didn't bother me. The schedule of EP for me was set at four or five day weeks. It was four to six hours a day with two weeks off in between each full week. The first week of chemo was relatively breezy. I felt the first week, I left the first week thinking it wasn't so bad, but I had been warned that the effects of chemo compounded. The worst thing I experienced the first week was on day two when I was eating and had uncontrollable hiccups. One of the most bizarre remedies that I found on the internet worked. Or at least I think it worked. Maybe it was the Zofran. Um, 
drinking water from the opposite side of a cup, which sounds ridiculous, but uh, when you have when you have hiccups that are uncontrollable, uh, anything's worth a shot. Um, it doesn't sound right, but it did work for me. Someone, whether it was my nurse or oncologist, I don't remember, recommended that I was prescribed that I take my prescribed Zofran to prevent hiccups. So I started taking that every morning when I woke up and before I went to bed. At some point, I developed acid reflux that stuck around for the remainder of treatment. My care team added something to my daily cocktail that would help this, but not fully prevent it. My typical work week at the time was Saturday through Wednesday. I finished chemo on Friday and was back to work Monday. The remaining weeks of chemo all ended up having to be pushed back by one week each time because my white blood cells were too low on the Mondays I had my tests done. Under no one's advice, I took it upon myself to pack as much iron into my diet as I could to try to get my counts up. I ended up eating so much iron, my ferritin level, which is something to do with iron measurement, was three times what it should be. Week two was very similar to week one in that I felt like it was relatively a breeze. I was, though, noticeably more tired and slightly nauseous. I didn't poop for a few days after the week, which is not totally out of the norm for me. I'm not extremely regular all the time, uh, but who knows? Uh, my mom and I would go for walks around the mall so that it was, wasn't too hot and just to keep myself moving. I again returned to work the week after chemo. Week three was when it really started to hit me. I was exhausted. The smell of my pee from the chemo and the saline and the heparin to flush my port made me extremely nauseous. I'm not sure why that was, but I wished it wasn't happening. I believe it was week three when they prescribed me a medication that is primarily an antipsychotic that also works for nausea. Compazine is what it was called. I had one of the side effects that caused me to be super restless. I remember I didn't sleep an entire day despite being exhausted. My legs couldn't help but move, and I was getting up and eating popsicles and taking showers just for something to do in the middle of the night. I ended up not taking that anymore because that particular feeling of what I described as being trapped in my own body was way worse than the nausea. I worked again the following week, but this time I went back on Tuesday or Wednesday. My job was just directing TV news and operating robotic cameras at the time, so it wasn't super labor-intensive as much as it was cognitive, which I think made it easier in my case. I can't imagine uh, what it's like for guys who have very physical jobs because I would have had an entirely different journey, and that's why everyone's journey is different. By week four, I was totally beat. I didn't throw up the whole time throughout chemo until week four. My parents took turns staying with me while the others stayed at their house with the dog during chemo weeks. I remember distinctly standing in my kitchen during week four and reaching for something in the fridge when I felt it coming. I stopped reaching into the fridge, turned around, and puked all over my kitchen floor. I don't think I puked again until after chemo ended on October 4th, 2019. I was staying at my parents' house then while mine underwent some unexpected repairs, and I threw up while watching uh, the baseball postseason games. A few weeks after chemo ended, I had another CT scan that showed the four centimeter lymph node had shrunk, but only to two centimeters. My doctor and a second opinion from Dr. Einhorn recommended I get a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection. And if you don't know what that is, I'm sure most of you do, but uh, go back and listen to Dr. Carey's episode, Dr. Clint Carey of It Takes Balls. He talks about what the RPLND is um, because it hadn't shrunk quite enough. We scheduled my surgery with Dr. Carey at Indiana University on November 7th, 2019. I flew out for a consultation on November 5th when he, where he reassured me that he was only going to remove lymph nodes on one side and use a nerve sparing technique to prevent me, from, to the best of his ability, from having retrograde ejaculation. I went into surgery that morning surprisingly unbothered. I knew that Dr. Carey and his team are some of the best in the world at this surgery, and there's nothing I could do at this point except lie on the table and let them do the hard work. 
My surgery was on Thursday and I was out of the hospital in the hotel on Sunday, flying home Monday. The overall worst part of that particular surgery was the flight home that was a disaster on the part of the airline and the weather. I didn't want to take any of the pain medications other than Advil and Tylenol again, but I ended up having to take my oxycodone because I was having back pain after sitting up straight for longer than anticipated due to flight delays and reroutes. I didn't go back to work until December 9th, 2019. Dr. Carey originally suggested I stay out of work until December 17th, but I was getting very bored at home. My recovery had been going well, and I was losing my mind at home, not able to lift anything over 10 pounds. Overall, I think the worst part of all of this was mental. The physical pain lasted a relatively short period of time, but one of the lingering side effects I have now is the constant paranoia that every little abnormality with my body is a recurrence. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and for my tumor markers to spike again. I have phantom pains in my left testicle area and in my back where I felt the swollen lymph node at the beginning. I've been to a neuropsychologist and a neurologist because I was convinced that my chemo brain was lasting longer than it should have. Luckily with that, everything checked out okay, but they recommended that I take some B vitamins. Maybe it's just a placebo effect, but I have been feeling a little bit better with my memory and uh, attention span. I know that there are many patients who have had it way worse than me, which is why I also deal with some amount of survivor's guilt. I hope that my journey doesn't discount the journey of others as much as it shows guys who are facing testicular cancer head on from the beginning, that it isn't always a horror story and there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes the tunnel has its own dim lights on the inside, making the journey not such a totally dark one. For anybody watching this, I apologize for all those jump cuts. I didn't leave anything out. Um, I just was, was reading it and when I'm by myself, I get nervous and, uh, get ahead of myself and start going too fast. Uh, so now I have a new appreciation for the guests that come on here. And speaking of the guests, uh, I mean, we've had all kinds of guests. If, if, like I said at the beginning, if you're just joining us, we've had, you know, active duty military, we've had retired military, we've had, people who work in financial. We had people who are Olympians. Um, testicular cancer affects everybody, all different ages. We've had people in their 20s, people in their, who have, you know, been 25 year survivors and are, you know, 50 plus. And it's, it's insane how many people are affected by testicular cancer. Uh, we've also had some great doctors on here. We've had Dr. Phil Perazio, who's another board member of TCAF. We've had Dr. Clint Carey, who I mentioned in, in my story, who was one of my doctors, who is, um, along with all of the doctors that we've had on here, one of the, the top guys for uh, testicular cancer in the country. Um, Dr. Dietrich Bergodia is another one of those top guys. Uh, if you haven't listened to his episode, he talks a lot about um, the long-term toxicities of testicular cancer treatment, which is really, really important, uh, you know, especially for people who are listening to this as survivors. Uh, it's important to know those things. Uh, coming up, we've got Dr. Nick Cost, who talks about a few different topics. He talks about uh, the gonadal function impact of testicular cancer therapy, fertility preservation, and testicular sparing surgery, uh, which that one was one that I learned a, a whole lot on, along with all of them. Uh, the next few episodes we have coming out after this, this month, we have, uh, if you're on TikTok or, or Instagram or Twitter and you get medical recommendations because of the algorithm, uh, Dr. Glockham Flecken, AKA in real life, Dr. Will Flannery, who's an ophthalmologist, um, but he had testicular cancer twice. 
So his story is is incredible. And then we've got Daniel Ramirez coming up. He's a businessman in Colorado who is uh, before, during, and after his testicular cancer has been crushing it in the business world and and experiencing tremendous success. Uh, then, of course, we have Dr. Nicholas Cost for episode 20. And then at the end of the month, we're going to have uh, Manny De La Cruz. He is the first guest that we've had who is like immediately out of treatment. When we recorded it, he was closer to his end date. Um, it's going to be about a month and a half before uh, it comes out and when we recorded it. But uh, it's interesting to hear his story because as I was reading mine, you know, and I mentioned in his episode that the further out I get, um, the more difficult it is for me to, to remember the little moments. Um, so it was really important to have somebody who's fresh out, who remembers everything like it was yesterday because it almost was yesterday. I'm going to, um, also talk a little bit about the resources that testicular cancer awareness foundation has, uh, who is the one who, who's the organization who puts on this, this podcast. Uh, I'm going to read the mission and the about page because I can't say it better than, um, than it says on here. Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation is compassionately dedicated to raising awareness and educate the general public about the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 44 and providing life-saving, valuable support for patients, caregivers, and survivors. I transpose a little bit of that information, but it's all there. I also want to just encourage you, if you haven't already, visit testiculacancerawarenessfoundation.org. There are tons and tons of resources, not literally tons, that's means 2000. There's not quite that many resources, but there's a lot of resources that you can uh, benefit from, uh, from education, um, financial assistance information. Uh, you can find out ways to get involved, like signing up uh, for Amazon Smile so that portions of your, your purchase goes to uh, Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation to help support the organization and the uh, awareness raising and uh, promoting the importance of testicular self-exams, which is the way that you can detect this cancer early. And early detection can save lives if you catch it earlier, or you can catch it at an earlier stage. I just want to thank everybody for, for listening and, and watching. I know this one was a rough one to listen to because it was just this ugly mug talking about um, his own story. And if you're watching, looking at me, look at a paper. And if you're listening, uh, hearing me hearing me breathe and hearing these papers uh, shuffle. Um, in the future, looking forward to next year, I'm going to not do an episode on January 1st, just because, uh, holidays, I don't want anybody to have to record one, an episode with me when they should be spending time with their family. And I don't think that listening to a podcast is high on people's priority list on uh, new year's day. So in the new year, we'll, we'll pick up on February 1st. Um, we're going to start branching out into different kind of providers. I want to talk to a, a therapist on the show. Um, I've personally never had therapy, um, but it's important for a lot of people. Maybe I need it. I don't know. Maybe I'll find out in that episode. I'm looking forward to recording that one. Uh, I want to talk to like a nutritionist to find out if there's any kind of, um, you know, diet that, that would help during treatment. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about sugar feeding tumors. Is that true? Is that not true? We we'll, we can talk about that with the with the nutritionist and the dietitian. Um, so I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. I I thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, we don't get 
we don't get Joe Rogan experience numbers, but uh, this is a very niche podcast for testicular cancer patients and survivors and caregivers, which speaking of caregivers, I've been corresponding via email with a, with a caregiver who wants to be on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to that as well. It'll be, it'll be great to get that perspective. Um, while I'm recording this, my wife in the other room texted me and, and said, can I ask a question? But unfortunately I'm not set up for that today. So uh, maybe she'll text it to me or not. I don't know, but um, yeah, thank you all again. Uh, looking forward to a great second year of, of testicular cancer awareness foundations podcast. It takes balls. Uh, if you want to get involved, just visit testicular cancer awareness foundation.org. We're on Facebook, testicular cancer awareness foundation, Instagram and Twitter at testis cancer. So T E S T E S cancer, C A N C E R. Uh, looking forward to the next year. Thank you guys so much for listening. For more information and resources for your testicular cancer journey, visit testiculacancerawarenessfoundation.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.